I'm Father Yuri Hladio, and welcome to this week's Hot Take. If you're not a patron of the Prime Priest podcast, you're only listening to half a show. However, every Wednesday, I publish a short excerpt, or hot take, from this week's extended interview and share it with the wider audience of the Prying Priest podcast. While I vowed to keep the Prying Priest podcast completely advertisement-free because, as we all know, advertisements are evil, this means that the only way I can make an honest dollar and for the show to stay afloat is through your financial support. When you support the show, you'll get full access to every full extended interview. For all the details, including more content, updates, and my blog, visit my website, pryingpriest.com. But for now, enjoy the hot take. When I when I set out to write my thesis, I, I set out to retrieve a new way, what I called an existential way of understanding resurrection that kind of combined this atheist existentialist tradition with the with the Christian Jewish traditions and to bring them together, find out, is there a way of understanding these accounts, these resurrection accounts that aren't just what I've been kind of handed as a, as a child and an adolescent. So I was very influenced by this French philosopher who currently teaches at the Catholic university of Paris it's by the name of Emmanuel Falk and his work is all about death and resurrection from a Heideggerian viewpoint. So of course I would kind of be drawn to this person. And uh, he, he interprets uh, resurrection, not literally at all. And, and, and certainly not scientifically, this is not like a biological. Um, Do you mean the resurrection of Jesus Christ or the future resurrection of, of all humans or both? Both. Okay. But particularly Jesus, because that's kind of what, we're, what I'll what I'll talk about right now in the resurrection accounts, which has everything to do with us. I mean, as a Christian, and no Christian can say the resurrection of Jesus has nothing to do with me and my own resurrection. You know, uh, so so I sort of approach these from a different angle. And, and Falk talks about trying to discover not transcendence in the sort of vertical sense of the word, but a horizontal transcendence, not an other world out there, but a world made other now. So that's how he kind of reframes horizontal transcendence, you know, and world made other. That's what he's looking for. So resurrection in this view cannot be an escape from death, but rather a mode of channeling death's eventuality back into the impermanence of my world. So then Paul kind of offers kind of a different type take on the inauthentic authentic distinction where he talks about flesh and spirit. And this kind of, revolves around a conversation that he has not a conversation, but a, an argument against Nietzsche's view of Christianity and his critiques, which I won't get into because I don't think we have time for that. But he basically says there's two different modes of living in the world. One according to the spirit and one according to the flesh. So he's not, he's not interested in any sort of, anthropology of the body soul division as we kind of think about it he's thinking that there's two different modes of living in the world that don't have to do with getting out of our skin 
that don't have to do with an afterlife. They just have to do with different orientations. And one is an orientation according to the flesh and according to the spirit. What does he mean by that? He means that the one who lives according to the self um, is the one who sort of curves themselves inward and thinks that they can, through their own will, overcome anxiety about death through their own willful thinking, whether that's, you know, self-help or whatever, you know, through your own chants and mantras that we somehow we can attain victory over our own death. So death is then for the fleshly mode of it, uh, death confronted in solitude um, and in self-reference and a cycle of overcoming through self-reference. Uh, the spirit infused way of thinking, the, the spirit infused relationship to the world is completely other centric. It's, it's not oriented to myself. It's completely oriented outward. So I use the word canonic earlier, which is like a, a making space for the other, a, an overflowing of myself into the other and the other and me in this reciprocity, uh, which in Christian theology usually is mirrored in the, in the form of the Trinity. Um, so then I bring in like Levinas, who's a different philosopher, and he kind of talks about how um, this experience with otherness is actually traumatic, kind of like Quig and Ishmael, who are bedfellows, and they have this traumatic experience of otherness, of fear and anxiety. But also, that's what happens with hospitality. That's what happens. And so um, I'm going to get to the resurrection accounts and how this has everything to do with that. I'm sure you're making connections in your head already a little bit, but um, what happens here with this spirit infused way is that death is not a, 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 only within our fortress of solitude, but rather is um, about responsibility of the death of the other. So death of the other becomes what opens up our own anxiety for our death. I go to a funeral, I see my grandma, and now I'm thinking about death for me. But she is the one who evokes it in me. And so death, back to solidarity about death, that's all wrapped up in this. So the concern about resurrection then should not be directed about the afterlife, but be brought low in this fleshly manner of finite existence as a new manner of being. Um, so then... Resurrection can open up a new mode of existence, a new way to bury thyself in life, as Melville says. Um, but what the resurrection accounts unveil is a, a type of lightening of the load of anxiety. It doesn't take away your anxiety completely. In fact, we don't see a lot of uh, ease and comfortability in the disciples in the resurrection accounts. There's not a lot of, even though Jesus says the word peace be with you, we see a lot of discomfort and confusion all over the place. Um, so trauma in the resurrection accounts. Um, and and what, what is meant by that? Okay, so there's examples of traumatic events of, of, of grief, loss, surprise, confusion all over the place. Imagery of possibilities of life, such as gardens, dinner tables, breakfast on the beach, come out of this confrontation with the grave and you think about the end of Mark where these horrified women gaze into the tomb. Um, and, and so that's sort of the, where we're coming from. 
The resurrection account always begins with the confrontation with death, looking into the void of the tomb. So then we see Christ appearing as a stranger, shocking the familiarity of maybe tribal sameness or zealotry or whatever, which is an apparatus that we use to, which is which is familiar to us. It's the they self. It's how we experience the world. And thus brings us from that, ex- that experience of vo- gazing into the void of the grave. Christians enter back into the everyday human events of eating together, swimming at the beach, gardening. Um, so then it, then it offers not only possibilities for life, but passion ability for other people. So that's to sort of give you a, a sparks notes, but I've always been taken by this idea of the, um, in Matthew with the two angels on either side of the grave and this, which is, which Rowan Williams has a great essay where he talks about how this is actually hearkening back to the throne of Yahweh in the old Testament. Um, which is the Ark of the Covenant, which is, there is no, there is nothing in there. There's, it's, it's a complete void. God is not a thing. It's just void. And so it kind of, God is this thing to be filled in. God is that which needs us to bring meaning to it, to give it form, to give it life in the form of, a, of an ark or the form of a tabernacle or the form of a temple. Um, and, and it's so expansive, but it's, it's still a void. We have to approach that gap, that lack in order to fill it in with something, which is the existentialist mantra is that we, we begin with nothing and we put becoming and being into that thing. And so looking into the, into the tomb that way can be seen as a making space or a recognition of our own lack of our own existential gap that we begin with that as soon as we are born, we are old enough to die and then trying to fill in that with creative narratives. And so I kind of, yeah, I, I kind of see the resurrection accounts as a sort of existential parables for ways in which we can reconfigure meaning into our lives that is suffused with ethics, experiences of the other, which is intimately related to traumatic encounters that can be um, transformative. The Prying Priest is a social media-free podcast, so any word-of-mouth recommendations you can make to your friends and family about this show would go a long way. Looking forward to seeing you next time. Say, why would you look outside yourself when you have all of the world inside?